0: On this episode of The Sanchez Show, my main man, Max Van Alken, joins the show. He's the host of the MVP podcast, also co-host of the Believe in Magic podcast. He stops by to discuss combat sports. We talk the upcoming UFC megafight in November, as well as the potential mega fight in boxing that's supposed to take place in November. He also gave me some thoughts on Canelo Alvarez's recent victory and what could be next for him, what he would like to see from Canelo moving forward. And then we got into a little bit of a NBA talk regarding the Magic, uh, number one overall pick Paolo Banquero there and what he thinks might happen with that team this year, the trajectory of that young team. We talked a little bit of Clippers, Lakers as well because he is now out on the West Coast and I wanted to kind of gauge what he's noticing out there. We didn't get too much into that though because we're going to have him back on the show before the season. We'll talk more NBA, also going to try to get him on the live Um He's been doing really well with his football picks, so we got to put his picks up against the Sanchez show and see how we stack up there. But we'll we'll set that date up for now, though. It is Wednesday, September 21st. We got Thursday Night Football tomorrow night. Then we got the Friday Night Live this Friday, the 23rd. As always, Will Gordon, myself, the opinionated ones. We've been on a hot streak, man. If you're not tuning in, you're missing out on some picks. And I mean, when I tell you we've been on, you can't be any more on than we've been. All right, right now, we're hotter than fish grease, man. Week one, we gave you the 401k pick of the week, which is the Baltimore Ravens. That was the easy one. We also gave you a couple upsets. One of the upsets I had in week one, I told you, was Minnesota. They covered week one. They won outright. Week two, I'm even hotter, man. I'm 4-0 for week two. I hit on the Thursday night game, Kansas City and San D- and LA. <laughs> Old habits die hard. I'm still saying San Diego. But Chiefs charges. I was right about that game. I gave you guys the lock of the week, which was a Sunday night game. Green Bay covered easily in a victory, 17-point victory. I also gave you guys upset pick of the week. I thought Miami would go into Baltimore and win, which they did. I told you guys, watch the Texans to keep it close. And I even said, though I like the Texans to win, most importantly, take the 10 points because they're going to keep it within 10 points. They did. They lost by seven in Denver. 4-0 for the week. And I could have really beat y'all over the head with the Monday night games because I already had those locked in as well. As I told you guys before, and I said it before the season started, Buffalo, Philadelphia is my pick for the Super Bowl. So far, they're making me look pretty smart. This Friday, you're going to want to tune in. We got some great picks for you guys. I'm going to give you my Thursday night pick now, again, since we're recording on Friday. So I'm going to give you my Thursday night pick a day in advance so you'll have it. Uh, but before we do, there was a bit of breaking news that, that came down uh, the wire about two hours before we started recording. Robert Sarver owner of the phoenix suns and the phoenix mercury has said he is actively shopping the team and looking for a potential buyer this is one of the things shout out to my brothers over at shooting the Sh- shooting Sh- podcast if you're not following them already as well i'm a part of that crew great adult discussions that we have over there one of the things we talked about was the robert Sarver dis- uh, suspension and i said then it was one of the things i didn't talk about on here because of the timing when the news came out with the suspension but I'll just rehash for, for for you guys what I said at the time. I thought the ten million dollars with the one year bind, well, one year ban, was too soft of of a punishment. You got to remember with the collective collective bargaining agreement and revenue sharing, ten million dollars is nothing to an NBA owner. So a ten million dollar penalty and one year away from the team, that's a vacation. I'm glad that there have been a lot of people who have spoken up about this, who have demanded harsher punishment, who have demanded him selling the team. It looks like it's working. I'm so happy to see that. I'm disappointed in Adam Silver, though, and I've always spoken very highly of Adam Silver. I've, I've loved the way he's engaged the players with the NBA community as a whole. I thought he did a great job during the Donald Sterling fiasco. I thought he did a great job when they went into the bubble and they sparked the conversation about social injustice and awareness and, and trying to encourage change when other people didn't really understand the vision of having the social statements on the jerseys, along with Black Lives Matter on this court. Those are conversations we needed to have. And that was something that the NBA was a big part of because you saw other leagues start to follow what they did in a bubble. Major League Baseball followed what they did in a bubble. Um, the NFL followed, you know, by having the messages on the back of the helmets and on the back of the end zone. So there have been some great things that Adam Silver has done. But this one I thought was very poorly handled, I thought it was really unfortunate that he made the statement, I really can't do more than what we've done in terms of the one-year suspension and the $10 million. I don't agree with that. You are the commissioner of the NBA. You have to keep everyone's best interest at heart. And Robert Sarver, continuing to be an owner, uh, was not in the best interest of everyone. Granted, you may not want certain skeletons to come out. Granted, you may not want certain backlash from this uh, instance in this situation, but they investigated this for a year and to tell us the people who are paying attention that the most you could do is a one year suspension and $10 million. I, I thought that was laughable and it was insulting as well. But it looks like the powers that be and the people continuing to speak up are now going to force the hand of Robert Sarver and the NBA as a whole. That's a good thing. So that that's one thing I wanted to get out the way. The second thing I wanted to get out the way, you guys have been very patient with me. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. But I'm sure you guys have gotten tired of my back and forth with the New York Mets. It has been a roller coaster ride. And you know what? Sometimes I lose sight of the fact that every Major League Baseball season is just that a roller coaster ride. There's going to be a lot of highs. There's going to be a lot of lows. There's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be times that you regret getting on the ride. There's going to be times that you feel like, I want to do this again. But ultimately, when you get to the end of the ride, you hope that it was enjoyable. That you didn't throw a ball over yourself, that you didn't look silly in the pictures, that maybe you didn't lose any jewelry or your wallet. The Mets have been a roller coaster ride. There have been times that I've told you guys I think we're going to the World Series. There have been times that I said, man, I think we're falling apart and we may not even win this division. But with all that being said, today, September 21st, I can honestly say the Mets have already clinched their playoff spot. They're still battling for the division. An amazing comeback victory yesterday against Milwaukee, highlighted by the Grand Slam from Francisco Lindor. It was a great day for New York sports in general. It's been a kind of a great week because on Sunday, all four teams won. Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets. Then yesterday, the Yankees with a dramatic bottom of the ninth inning comeback victory. Followed by the Mets, dramatic comeback victory. Uh, Both teams look like they have righted the ship at the right time. We're at that stretch run. This is it. This is it. I mean, I think the Mets got 14 games left. The division is going to come down to the wire. There's no escaping it. The Braves are a very good team, but at least there's a little bit of ease now. There ain't no collapse taking place. This same 2006 when the Mets had the massive collapse and lost the division to the Phillies. The Mets are in. It's just a matter of will they be in as a wild card or as a division winner. I love Buck Showalter. I think Buck Showalter is the manager of the year in Major League Baseball for the turnaround that he's had with this team. But I also think that Buck has got to be a little cautious now. You've got to look at this from a uh, longer perspective view and understand that we can't push Scherzer and DeGrom too hard. And the same thing with Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz has had a couple of multiple inning saves in the second half of the season. Yesterday, he had to come in in the eighth inning again to hold it down. I appreciate that. But you've got to now kind of proceed with caution. you got to understand we're basically two weeks away from the playoffs. I can't have my number one and number two starter go down or, or miss any time right now. And I damn sure can't have my closer, who's been the best closer in baseball, will go down either. You got to be a little cautious. It would be nice if the Mets' bats just really got hot from here on out and made these games laughable, as opposed to having to come back like they did yesterday or forcing uh, Edwin Diaz to come in in the eighth inning and save a game. But Buck Showalter still got to be a little smarter. here. He's got to. I'm not. I'm not questioning too many things that Buck has done. I'm just saying be cautious. With that being said, let's get to the Thursday night pick because I know that's what you guys want to hear. And then we're going to get to the portion with Max on the episode. Again, make sure you're following the Sanchez show across all major platforms. Shoot me a like. Shoot me a comment. Tune in every Friday night to my Facebook page. You can find it under my name, Eric Sanchez. You'll see the logo right there. Friday night lives, 9 p.m. Will Gordon, Eric Sanchez, the opinionated ones. It's the hottest thing smoking, man, because we actually giving you picks and we're giving you valid reasons for the picks. We're giving you upsets. We're giving you 401k picks of the week. We're talking football across the board. You guys are going to love it. Trust me, man. Trust me. It's a great prep for what you're going to see on Sunday. And it's also a great follow-up for what you saw on Thursday. So with that being said, Thursday night game, we got a good old division rival. Unfortunately, it's terrible quarterback play. But both these teams have great defenses. You got the Steelers going to Cleveland. Short week for both teams, obviously. The Steelers, tough loss to the Patriots. Again, not their defense's fault. Their offense could have been better. It wasn't. Bill Belichick always gives the Steelers a tough time. It doesn't matter whether it was Mike Tomlin who's been there forever or Bill Cowher. Bill Belichick has dominated that, that series matchup. For the Browns, they're coming off historically one of the biggest collapses within a game. And we saw a couple this past week. But I believe it was the first time ever a team has blown a 13 point lead with under two minutes to go in the game. Highlight that with the fact that the Jets are playing their backup quarterback. Yeah, it was bad for Cleveland. A lot of things going wrong there. I've been on record as saying Cleveland is going to have trouble with Jacoby Brissett holding on to games and winning games and staying competitive before Deshaun comes back. It kind of flipped for them. I thought they should have lost week one. And anyone who saw that game knows that there were some iffy calls that allowed them to win that game. But then the football gods evened it out. You collapse week two. So you're one and one. They're probably pretty accurate. They should have beat the Jets. I don't think they should be Carolina. It worked out the other way around. They're one and one. That's pretty accurate. Pittsburgh probably should be zero and two. They find a way to beat a Bengals team that I don't think they're better than. It was also a game that their starting running back got hurt in and their best edge rusher got hurt in. The Bengals score with no time on the clock and then the kick gets blocked and they lose in overtime. But the two things I'm paying attention to in this game are the advantages I think Pittsburgh has in coaching, because I think Tomlin is a better coach than Stefanski. I also think when you look at the level of competition, Pittsburgh, even if they were 0-2 right now, I don't think we would be completely off of Pittsburgh because we would say, hey, they played the defending AFC champs and division champ Bengals. And if they had lost in overtime or at the end of regulation, we would have said they went toe-to-toe with that team in spite of the struggles at quarterback. And then last week, they lose a three-point game against a really good defensive team, playoff caliber team, team that was in the playoffs last year with a great head coach. I like Pittsburgh in this game. I like Pittsburgh. I think their defense is legit. I think Mike Tomlin on a short week will find a way to frustrate Jacoby Brissett. Right now, Cleveland's favored by four and a half points. I think that's high. I think that's really, really high to give Cleveland that type of respect. I don't think they're four and a half points better than Pittsburgh. And I don't think they're really better than Pittsburgh at all. I'm also a little concerned by the way or how easily the Jets were able to move the ball on them last week. Now, again, Jets have some good weapons at receiver. We saw it last week and the Jets have some pieces, but defensively, Pittsburgh is better than the Jets. Offensively, I think Pittsburgh has better weapons than the Jets. The question is, where do you view Flacco and Trubisky? At this point in their career, I think they're the same type of quarterback. And I think Pittsburgh is going to win this game outright. You could take the four and a half points to be safe. But I like Pittsburgh winning it outright to kick off week three. I think I'm already 2-0 and on, on Thursday night games. I think I'm going to go 3-0 and with this one. i really like them to win this game. So I would say take Pittsburgh um, outright to win. But if you want to be safe, take the four and a half points. The other thing you could do on this one is the money. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the over-under. Because I think both these teams will struggle to score. Right now, that over-under is a uh, set. 38 and a half points, I would still take the under because I think both these teams will struggle just to get to 17 points. Again, look look at their history. Um, Cleveland last week was able to score some points, but if you look at that Carolina game, they got really stagnant in the second half. That's what allowed Carolina to come back. You look at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's defense is really good. Really, really good. I think this game stays under that 38 points. I like Pittsburgh outright winners, plus four and a half if you want to be safe. And I also like the under in this game. Just my thoughts, man. Tune in this Friday though, September twenty third. The opinionated ones. We have four hundred one k pick of the week for you. We got upset of the week, and we got a bunch of football talk. But for now, enjoy the interview with Max, man. You're gonna you're gonna hear him again on the show, and you might see him on the live pretty soon, man. Enjoy. What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. Got a special guest today, man. I feel like this time of year, the fight game really starts to pick up. So I needed to bring in somebody who loves the fight game as much as I do. He's one of the youngest, brightest talents in the game right now, man. My main man, host of the MVP podcast, co-host of the Believe in Magic podcast, and a returning guest of the show, Max Van Orken. Max, how you doing today, man?
1: Man, I appreciate the kind words. I'm doing fantastic. You're absolutely killing it. I remember the first time I watched your show when Combo told me about you. Been a fan ever since. And uh, it's always so much fun to do podcasts with other podcasters such as yourself and the platform that you have. So always grateful and always appreciate to be on your show. You're killing
0: it. I appreciate that, man. I love having you on because... There aren't very many people who transition from traditional sports to the fight game. So I always have a respect for that because I know how much you know about the fight game as well. And I enjoy those conversations we had uh, and going to continue to have, obviously. We'll start there with the fight game. This past weekend, Canelo Alvarez finished off the trilogy against Triple G. What are your thoughts on the victory and what do you think is next for Canelo? You know that's
1: an interesting point you mentioned. By the way, the there's not too many people now. The big fights you'll get the common people who talk about NBA and NFL. They'll watch the big fights, right? The Canelo triple Gs, for example. Uh, but it's really interesting that it's not as common as you would think, considering the biggest fights are arguably the most important events in the year. And the sport, like, there's nothing like a big fight. When you had Fury and Wilder, no matter what you were a fan of, it just felt different. It, there's nothing like a big fight. The Triple G, obviously Canelo, when the Conor McGregor fights, when Floyd fought, uh, it's different. So I'm hoping to see more people cross-platform those sports, almost like how people talk NBA, NFL. I really wish boxing and ufc ends up growing in that aspect as well which i believe it will um but as far as that fight now that was unbelievable and what a way to finish the trilogy and obviously canelo is he's that guy i've been a huge canelo fan for a while and to see him go out and triple g's obviously solidified his legacy as one of the best to do it Um, i thought it was a great way to finish that trilogy and now for canelo what's next Uh, for me personally I would love to see him have a big money fight. And I know that kind of sounds cliche nowadays because everyone's trying to get that big money fight. But he's what how many fights does he have? Over sixty fights? I think it's right. at like, the
0: cusp. Right at the cusp of sixty.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's put in the work, he's beaten the who's who, he showed up time and time in, time out. Um, I would love to see him do something
0: flamboyant and something different, me personally. So great point as far as what's next for Canelo. Um because he's still at that age, he's still young enough, but he's getting up there, obviously. He's 32, he'll be 33 by the next time he fights. He, he just said yep. he's going to take some time off to, to heal up the wrist. But he's been professional since he was 16. So we're talking 20 years in a game, and you kind of wonder how much longer he can do it at this level. Would you be intrigued by any of the guys at middleweight, the guys that we consistently you know, hear them talk about, whether it's Benavidez, whether it's uh, Charlo, uh, possibly uh, Demetrius and- Andrade, um, possibly a, a rematch with b or would you want a bigger name like a Errol Spence who has thrown out the idea of possibly moving up to middleweight? I want the bigger name. Go big or go home. Now, of
1: course, when you have the top fighters in the world, you always want to see the best fight the best. That's always the goal. Um, obviously, that isn't always the case because of contracts and politics and timing you know or if you do see the fight the best fight the best it may be one one's on the decline while the other one's coming up but to see them both in their primes going at it's so i always like to see canelo test himself against the best people um which i believe we will still see but yeah i want to see him against those big names because when you look to the common fan um the reason why granted floyd is it's it's really not fair to compare a lot of people to floyd medley whether i believe is the greatest to ever do it but Uh, he really became a household name when you think about the people that he fought, the entertain, the bouts that he put together Uh, for the people, like I said, that aren't boxing purists that will end up going to a bar or buying the pay-per-view because it's just something big. And I think Canelo has earned that in his career is to do something big. And whether it's a spence or it's a super fight of that magnitude. And I feel like that is something he could really gain to his legacy because he's already proven the other parts. But if you can get those big, big bouts, that's something that can only enhance
0: him I'll throw you a bit of a curveball um, okay. we didn't have this on the rundown so for the people listening and watching they they this isn't scripted you threw something out there that I've, I've said personally myself I, I I I view him as the best ever Floyd Mayweather as well but why do you view him that way consistency and to
1: me it's one of the most underrated things in all of sports we all like the high highs But a lot of athletes, most athletes, especially in the fight game, you know this, have really low lows. They don't know when to quit. They don't know when to... And just to stay that consistent. It's one thing they say, it's really hard to be champ, right? But it's even harder to stay champ. And the fact that he was able to stay champion and remain that focused and that hungry and that disciplined for so long to me. Not only is he the greatest technician, the greatest defensive fighter we've ever seen, it's the consistency to me is what makes Floyd extremely special because Granted, UFC is completely different than boxing, right? It is a different sport. But I'm just going to use this as an example of Conor McGregor. I never believed he was at the pinnacle of Floyd skill-wise, considered the greatest. I don't think he's close to being the greatest MMA fighter of all time. But that taste of success in money changed him. Overnight, that fight with Floyd, he's never been the same when he went back to the octagon. Floyd Mayweather's tasted that money time and time again. And you know the stories. He'll go to the club, but run back. He won't drink. Like, that to me is what makes Floyd special, what makes LeBron special, what makes Brady special. And Floyd doesn't get his flowers enough for that because when you're the champion, people are always going to put their best foot forward against you. They're always gunning for you. They always want what you have. And he consistently would shut people down including Canelo. Obviously, that was early in his career. Floyd knew what he was doing with that, by the way. But that's why Floyd's the greatest to me. And the guy's never lost. I mean, 50-0, you, know, you can say, okay, really 49 if you don't want to count the Connor. Truth doesn't, we've never seen him lose.
0: Yeah. Um, everything you said is on point. I'll add on, for me, the reason I always have him in that conversation, and I do view him as the greatest, in my opinion, is because the way he was able to change his game, so to say. People always talk about Money Mayweather you got to go back and watch the Pretty Boy Floyd day. Pretty Boy Floyd.
1: Yeah. Right. And
0: and when he was in there punishing guys who were known punchers and big time fighters, and he was punishing those guys and most fighters can't pivot that way. Most fighters get stuck in their one path of success and then that's all they know how to do. And they can never transition into a, being another fighter. Right. For as great as and, and this isn't to knock one fighter down, but as great as Manny Pacquiao was, Manny Pacquiao never really transitioned into another style of fighter. It was his high and his low was the same fighter, no matter what.
1: Now, that is a fantastic point. Now, you could stick in boxing, right? You could say Muhammad Ali kind of did the same with the rope and dope Mm -hmm. later in his career, which obviously didn't benefit him later in life, but it did when he fought the George Foremans. But you can translate that to all the sports. You look at Michael Jordan. Very vertical, very athletic early in his career. Then you look towards the end of his reign. Even though he's still dominant, he's dominant in different ways. He picks and chooses when to be dominant. It's more in the post. It's more faders. It's more strategic. It's mental. LeBron has done that now. Obviously, he's still a freak of nature, but he's not jumping from the free throw line head at the rim anymore, so he's beating you in a more cerebral approach. To your point, pretty boy Floyd... And then all of a sudden, the, diff- the way he just completely transformed his game to the defensive side of things, Money Mayweather, that's a great point. And that, like I said, that's exactly why I just don't think, I think a lot of people are turned off by who he is and how flamboyant he is with his money and he can come off cocky. But the guy backs
0: it up and the guy works. I don't know how you could hate on that. I agree. Um, I, I, I don't want to stay too long on Floyd. I always felt like it, it was a combination of, him being outspoken, but then also kind of changing the narrative of how boxers were going to handle their business. Right? Yep. When, he, when he leaves Bob Arum and he's on his own and it's, you know, TMT, the money team, and it's all about Floyd Mayweather and he becomes his own promoter, there were a lot of people in, in the powers that be that didn't like that. And so, you know, you get the negative backlash and you get people talking negatively about him. So I think that's what it, where it went there. But sticking with the fight game real quick, you talked a little bit of UFC, as you mentioned, Conor McGregor, which fight are you more excited for? Because in about two months, we get two of the biggest combat sports fights. We have the potential Errol spence Bud Crawford fight. Looks like it's going to be November 18th. The week before, we get UFC 281, obviously headlined by Israel Adesanya, and his opportunity to avenge his only loss in the sport. Not not even MMA. We're talking in the, well, his second. The other one, obviously, he, he, he chased greatness and went up in weight. Which fight are you more excited for? Um, I believe the bigger fight would be the Crawford fight.
1: Um, that's something that is very unique to see those type of names go head-to-head against each other. Uh, but personally, I've always had a deep spot for the UFC in my heart. So I'm going to say, biasly, I'm going to say Israel Diazania because we're looking at a global superstar. Um, with a guy like John Jones going in out of trouble. With a guy like Conor McGregor who, okay, he may come back, but he's not really... Let's be honest, he's not that Conor McGregor anymore. Uh, The UFC has really, I believe, embraced Israel Asanya as that guy. And he has that younger feel to him. He appeals to a wide range of people, that demographic. And he just, he's a fun watch. Now, every once in a while, stylistically, he'll fight someone who doesn't want to push forward, and he's a defensive type of fighter. And so it's kind of like what happened towards Anderson Silva towards the later of his reign. People are like, oh, he's getting boring. It's like, no, people just understand and respect. If you charge this guy, he's going to kill you. And so that's what's really happening with Adia is not everyone wants to charge him, so he's not going to risk everything that he has and go outside of his style. You have to come beat the champ. Uh, but he normally does put on fantastic fights. So by- my bias is going to say Adia but for sports as a whole, you have to say Crawford.
0: I like both of them I'm looking forward to it Um, Yeah (laughs) Yeah I I think both of them Are going to be excellent fights Um, Obviously I think The the Crawford Spence fight Because I'm more of a Boxing purist I want that fight But I also Completely understand Your point of view Because That fight looks like It's probably going to be At least two fights Between those guys Whenever you get the greats, You never just get the one So you always get that, uh, that Second opportunity Whereas Adesanya Depending on how that goes If he's on his game Yeah it could be the one And done And then we never get To see it again the UFC is in a unique position, though. Um, you see guys, obviously, Conor McGregor. We don't know if he is coming back. He's flirted with it. He, he's thrown out the tweet as he's recovering from his injury. Nate Diaz being a free agent now. Do you think the UFC is kind of headed towards a little bit of a dry spell? Because as you mentioned, they don't really have, uh, aside from Adesanya, they don't have that next star to really kind of carry it. Do you think it might get into a little bit of a dry spell there? That's a
1: really good question. I don't think it's going to get in a, a dry spell just because the talent has never been better, right? It's such a global sport and it's only growing. So you're constantly, it's an ever-evolving sport. The competition is always getting better. You look at Oliveira, you look at Chambayev, like you look at a lot of these scary guys that just, wow, if you would have put them Back then, no disrespect to the older generation, it just shows you the evolution of how good fighters are. So I don't think it will be a dry spell, but I do believe the UFC is looking for an identity. And that's one thing that Dana White has always said and prided himself on, that he's never really worried about that because there's always a guy up, right? It was Chuck Liddell, it was Royce Gracie, then it was Chuck Liddell, and then the next thing you know, it's George St. Pierre, and you got Anderson Silva, and then Connor and Ronda. So there's always going to be the next man or woman up. But right now, if you took Israel Adiasanya out of it, I really don't know who it would be because Connor, like I said, I wouldn't bet the bank on Connor to be there. I wouldn't do that. It's, it's a great thing to have if he's there, but I wouldn't bet on him being there. Nate Diaz is out of there. Chemaev is a young star who looks scary, who doesn't even get hit in UFC fights, which is just doesn't even make sense. But he's not a champion yet. Your main guy, pound-for-pound pound guy, just lost. Habib retired. So they are looking for that guy, and we will get it, or man or woman. We will get it. We just don't know who it is yet. So I don't know if it's in dry spell, but they are looking for that identity, that person.
0: Right. Somebody to kind of carry the flag for a little bit for the UFC. Again, this is The Sanchez Show. We're rocking out with my main man, Max Van Holken, host of the MVP podcast, as well as co-host of the Believe in Magic. We got to get into a little bit of NBA talk, man. We're about a yeah, month away from the start of the season season started a little bit earlier this year how, how do you feel about that
1: i love it i mean i really dove in depth with the nfl this year and so being immersed with it week to week looking at the games and then i didn't even realize I'm like wait a second the nba season's actually creeping up on us and i'm, I'm an nba guy at heart so i'm like i can't wait for that the more sports the better uh especially i haven't been in la for a long period of time so i'm getting that more la clipper feel here which is pretty cool uh but as far as the nba i mean it's To me, it's just my favorite sport to watch. There's nothing like watching a good game of basketball, so I'm always
0: happy for that. Absolutely. Now that you're on the West West Coast, how would you kind of compare the West Coast fan to the East Coast fan? Um, Because there's always been this perception that the East Coast fan is the diehard blue-collar guy, whereas the West Coast fan is a little more Hollywood. But now that you're out there, what do you think of the West Coast fans?
1: I, I mean, I kind of get that. Now, No disrespect to the West Coast because... They've had a lot to celebrate. Granted, there's a lot of chaos right now with the Lakers. It's like, okay, what are they doing? Okay, they got Schroeder. Okay, we got Braun and AD. So, like, there's a lot of discomfort and just you could feel the anxiousness going on with the Lakers because they want such a high, they have such a high expectation. It's the freaking Lakers. You should. Um, But they've had a lot to celebrate. You've had Magic Johnson, you've had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you've had LeBron James and Kobe Lushak. Literally, the list goes on and on. So they're a little bit more spoiled. When my experience on the East Coast, I've covered the Hornets. Like, I've covered the Orlando Magic. I've been to a couple of Knick games. You have to really fight for this success. And when you get it, you you really remember it for the rest of your life. So you do get more of that blue-collar feel, in my opinion, my experience being on the East Coast versus my short time here. Uh, the bar is definitely higher here because of where I'm at and through the franchises that you're Dealing with um but yeah you get a little bit more of that chill hollywood cool
0: feel yeah then you know not to mention they they got the super bowl champs out there now you got the dodgers who who look almost unbeatable so it, it's a lot to be relaxed about on the west coast yeah. right now um yeah. and, and i'm glad you i'm glad like you said you, you're really into you're, you're more in depth on the football season this year we got to figure out a way to get you i'm doing friday night lives I get picks. We we make it very interactive, very engaging. People, you know, chime in. What I like to call the 401K pick of the week, where I don't encourage you to, but if you're gonna gamble it, go all in on these specific teams. Uh, right. But we, we'll save that. We'll save that. Like I said, for the live, yeah, you know. I'll try to. We'll try to coordinate to get you on the live because I know again the time difference. Um, the Orlando Magic, though, first pick in the draft. Paolo, he comes in. Look pretty good this summer. What are your thoughts going into the season for this team? They're still very young. The East obviously is a little bit more competitive now with Donovan Mitchell coming over East. We expect Brooklyn to be a little better. Milwaukee's going to be very good. Boston. What are your thoughts for this Orlando Magic team?
1: Every time I have an opportunity to do it, I do it. So I have no problem admitting when I'm right about things. I share it. I date stamp it. I why wait it. But i also will acknowledge where i'm wrong and have no problem with that come at me yes i was wrong about this i got that game wrong i have no problem with that so for your audience i'll share with you very quickly so when i was on the odd couple fox sports i said you know what chet holgram is like bitcoin where he's like cryptocurrency he could be the steal of the draft but not every cryptocurrency is bitcoin he could flop you have jabari who has a nine to five job he's instantly going to give you production." Over the time, he may become a CEO, become that guy for you. But if not, you're giving someone that's delivering right away. I didn't even come up with an analogy for Pablo. And I owe him an apology because he seems, and I don't know if it's too early because technically he hasn't even played a game yet. He seems like he's that guy at the draft already. Like just watching him play, he has it, he's competitive, he's versatile. He really feels like if I had to make an analogy like Amazon, he literally could do absolutely everything and he's versatile. What do you, you want it ordered? We got this, we got that. And I like that he has that dog to him. And so first off, I owe Paulo an apology, and I have to credit the Orlando Magic. I think you got it right. And so going into this season, I believe he's going to be your best player really quickly. Like, it may take him a couple games. Obviously you have to adjust to the speed of the NBA, but I believe he'll be there very quickly. And I think France is really going to take that next step too. So you're looking at France and Paulo. I like Cole Anthony, I like Suggs, but those two guys are going to be those pillars going forward then you can figure out where you want to put. Wendell Carter Jr. is more ready right now. Um, They're a really young team, like you mentioned. I don't believe they'll make the playoffs, but they're going to be one of those really young teams. You're like, okay, give them a couple years. I don't know if the fan base has a couple years of patience, but when you see Paolo ball out the way he will, I think you'll give them something to hold on to.
0: If you had a player comp for Paolo, who would it be?
1: Oh, that's a really tough one.
0: Um... Again, this is a curveball. I know, you know, we, we got we got to get you off speed sometimes. No, 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 of course. I, li- I like it. Uh, it's really hard because he has that... I
1: know people said Blake Griffin, but I think he's a better playmaker than Blake Griffin. I think he's a little bit more mobile than Blake Griffin. He creates a shot a little bit better than Blake Griffin. So uh, I'll say Blake for right now, but a more skillful, offensively skilled Blake. Like, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to jump for over a car type of Blake, but I'm I'm interested to see if he can be
0: some of it of that type of player right he's a little more offensive uh he, he's a little poly- more polished offensively yeah yeah but like you said with, with him and franz you, you've got two really good foundational pieces to build around the early numbers coming out of vegas have they over under at 25 and a half wins you'd like the over there or you think again they're coming off a 22 win season right now they have that 25 and a half for the over under this upcoming season you like the over you think they're still going to be closer to that 22 I'm gonna go over.
1: I think they'll go over that. Um, I don't think it'll be much over, but I think I think it'll be over that. Because a lot of the games that they lost, and this happens with a lot of young teams, it's just a lack of experience. So you're really fighting, you have close games, you just don't know how to close it out. They don't have an identity. Who do we go to? We go to Sug? We don't know. We do- we don't know if Sug's that guy. Do we go to Cole Anthony? Well, we don't know if he's that guy. And Jonathan Isaac is injured. So they don't really know who the guy is. But if Paolo ends up falling out the way I really see him doing it, uh, I think he'll, he won't have a problem stepping up. doesn't mean he'll hit every one of those shots. But he'll say, okay, I got it. Let me make the play. And so when you get a guy that's confident like that, a number one overall pick, it makes it a little bit easier. It makes the game a little simpler late in game. So. Those two or three games, they were a little bit down behind last year. I think they could pull off this year. So I'll take the over.
0: Fair. And since you're on the West Coast, I've got to ask you, who do you have more confidence in being healthy this year? Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis? Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely. Honestly,
1: Anthony Davis could be the most aggravating watch I've ever had watching the game of basketball. And I'm not tearing the guy down. Obviously, he's a freak of a talent. He's amazing. I love Anthony Davis. Every time he plays the game of basketball, I'm almost willing, like I almost, I try not to get in the gambling habit, so like I do push-ups or something. How many times he going to fall on the ground? Like I will make those type of bets with my friends. Like it's on, we do over-unders on that type of thing. I, it's just, he has a knack for falling, whether he's wide open, it's a jump shot and you get nervous every time he's holding his ankle, the whole Laker debacle Yeah, the Russell Westbrook situation's ugly. Yeah, I don't like what they did with the roster. But if we get a healthy bubble Anthony Davis, a lot of these conversations aren't as bad. Because you have LeBron, who's a top 10 player in the world. You could say top five. And then you have Anthony Davis, when healthy, playing like Anthony Davis is the top 10. You have those two guys, things start to get a little bit easier for the other guys. We haven't seen that from Anthony Davis, and I thought last year with Charles Barkley calling him "street clothes," Anthony Davis and LeBron James really depending on him that we would see that, and we didn't. And so, even though I think he'll come more prepared this season, I don't have a lot of faith in his health because there's only so much you can control in that aspect.
0: It's a great point, man. Anthony Davis is very frustrating. I, I have to admit that as well. Yeah, uh, he, he's a, he's a guy. Just based off potential, he should be one of the top four guys in the league easily. But- Every year is the same old song with them, man. Uh, Max, before we wrap up, man, plug whatever you got going on. I I want people to know about any podcasts, any appearances, anything you got going on right now. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on your show. First and foremost, we got to get you back on the MVP. So the Max Van Auken
1: podcast, that's V-A-N space A-U-K-E-N. You can find on any podcast platform, wherever you listen to podcasts. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. My name is my brand. YouTube, Um, And then I have a couple big shows coming up. I haven't been able to officially announce them yet. We're figuring out the details. But once that comes, subscribe. You won't want to miss it. Other than that, that's where you can find me. I'm delivering content on the daily. And I'm just hopefully getting better by the day. So people like you make me better. I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely, man. For anybody who doesn't already subscribe to the MVP podcast, shame on you, man. You got to (laughs) subscribe. It's great content. I'm serious, man. I tell you all the time when we speak, you're one of the few people I... I give praise where it's due. When people know the game, I love it. I I see what you're doing, whether it's your lives. I know you've created some other series. You've always come with the comparison. So I respect what you do. And that's why I always enjoy the conversations we have. Uh, We got to get you back on. I'm more than willing to come on your show as well. And like I said, too, we'll talk off air. Uh, We'll figure out, because I do the Friday Night Lives. And since you're out on the West Coast, I would definitely love to check the temperature of the Rams and and see what's going on with the Chargers. And get your thoughts on some things as well. But until the next time, for my main man, Max Van Orken, I am Eric Sanchez. This is The Sanchez Show, man. We out of here.